Have I communicated those wants and needs to my partner? Like I said, this might be harder than we think. There's not many times in our lives or really ever that we are granted the permission to express what we want. We're really, really bad at doing it, actually. We might dance around the idea. We might say like, when you show up, you're just, you know, stressed and you don't want to do this. Stop telling stories. Feelings are not facts. State what you want. That is you taking ownership in your sexuality and nobody can do that but you. Welcome back to another solo episode of Get Psyched. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we are talking all about desire discrepancy. This came up after I did an Instagram Ask Me Anything and How Can I Support You? And holy smokes, did you overwhelm me with questions about desire discrepancy? So naturally, I needed to do a full show on it. And instead of just describing what it is and normalizing what it is, I wanted to give you tools on how you can combat this and how you can really express yourself as your best and most embodied sexual self. So give it a listen. There is a journal prompt at the end. So have your journals ready or just explore this internally with yourself. Either way, until next week, enjoy the show. friends. Welcome to a solo psyched episode where I am planning to talk all about desire discrepancy. I posted this on my Instagram story a while back and was just flooded with input and more questions and people, especially my female audience, wanting more answers around my partner wants to have sex more often than I do, or I want to have sex more often than my partner does. And I wanted to let you know, first off, just how incredibly normal this is. Excuse me, desire discrepancy. Jeez, Lindsay, figure out your words. You're a podcast host. Desire discrepancy is probably one of the things I see couples come into couples counseling most often for. So if you're experiencing it, you are totally, totally normal, and it's an absolutely normal thing to experience in partnership. So my goal with today's episode is to give you two things that you can do in partnership to help this, and one thing you can do as an individual to help kind of create a deeper understanding about your own sexuality and how you might be able to show up differently in your partnership when you get clear on these answers. So first things I want to talk about are the tools for couples. I want to talk about this idea of brakes and accelerators that is put in so perfectly and just illustrated incredibly in Emily Nagowski's book, Come As You Are. So if you have not read that book yet, go ahead, add it to your Audible list, put it in your Amazon cart, get your hands on it, because this will absolutely change the way that you are operating in your relationship and especially your sexual relationship. With the idea of brakes and accelerators is that there's tons of things we do unconsciously and that our partner does unconsciously every day that can either move us towards sex or move us away from sex, right? put our foot on the gas a little bit or boom, tap the brakes. And I am not interested. So 
The idea with breaks and accelerators is figuring out what those are for you and sharing them with your partner and vice versa. So for example, you get home from a really, really long day's work. You walk in the door and there's dishes in the sink. I know personally, my mind automatically goes to, oh my God, I've got more to do. I'm going to go do these dishes. I'm going to do all these things. And that is moving me so far away from being a sexual being, right? It's adding to my stress. As humans, when we're in stressful situations, the first thing that goes is our sex drive. Okay. That's totally normal, right? If I go back to more kind of hunter gatherer society and I start thinking about what is going to propel my genetics forward, it's probably not going to be taking care of offspring when I'm really stressed. So if there's things around your house that are adding to your cortisol levels, that are adding to your stress levels, your sex drive is going to plummet, right? Our bodies are incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable and have a deep knowing. And so when we're stressed, it's going to be like, all right, homegirl, you are not ready to hold a child in you. You are not ready to bring offspring into this world and support it, right? You're trying the best you can to support your own self right now. So our sex drive is going to be gone. Where are areas in your life that are creating these breaks, right? Whether that's dishes in the sink or that's vacuuming that needs to be done or laundry, right? You name it, whatever it is, daily stressors that we're not even aware might be affecting our sex life. Get aware of them and communicate them to your partner as, Hey, these are huge breaks for me, right? If I come home and the house is in this condition, it is not me placing blame on you for not cleaning it, not doing the laundry, not doing the dishes. It's just me sharing with you that these things are going to take away from my sex drive. Now there's totally accelerators too, right? Maybe those are little things that you're not even aware of. Your partner greeting you the second you get in the door, right? Turning away from what is so important to them in that moment and greeting you instead. That simple hug can give us an overwhelming amount of oxytocin, right? Makes us feel safe, makes us feel seen, makes us feel held. And for the female body and the female brain, we need a lot of that to feel sexual, okay? So being aware of what your accelerators are, maybe that's, hey, When I get home, I actually don't want to be greeted at the door. I want to be able to go into my bedroom and just relax for 15 minutes without dealing with the kids, without dealing with the dishes, without anything. I just want 15 minutes to decompress, right? So your accelerators can have everything to do with your partner and they can have nothing to do with your partner, but it is your job to identify what those are and then express them to your partner. The next idea I want to touch on is going to sound sterile, is going to sound funny, is going to sound uncomfortable. But it's this idea of planning for sex. Now, if you and your partner sit down and you say, okay, Tuesday at 7 p.m., we both have time and we're going to have sex and you show up in the bedroom and you take all your clothes off and you're like, let's do the sex. Yikes. Yeah, that feels really uncomfortable. That feels sterile. That feels planned. That feels yucky. Or maybe that's what you're into. And if that's what your accelerator is, go for it, boo. I am not going to tell you what to do. However, if you heard that and you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound right. I want to offer a couple of reframes. Planning for sex is absolutely not sterile and is something I guarantee you, you unconsciously have already done when you might've been in the dating phase of being with your partner, right? You were unconsciously planning for sex. You might've shaved your legs. You might've worn some matching underwear. You might've washed your sheets, right? You might've done all of these things 
not saying that you had to have sex that night, but Hey, if the date went well and someone came over, you wanted things to be presentable. You wanted them to be awesome. And our body registers that it makes us excited. It's like, Ooh, butterflies, this thing could happen. I'm really excited. And when we get really comfortable with our partners, it is likely that we're sitting around the house in gray sweatpants, which yes, I know can be super hot. So maybe that wasn't the best, uh, <laughs> best example I've thought of, but we might have our hair piled on top of our head. We might not feel that sexy. If we don't feel super sexy, of course, we're not going to feel like engaging in sex with our partner. So what are ways that you can start to plan for sex? If you know, that's going to be 7 PM on Tuesday, who? Maybe I wear that cute little outfit underneath my work clothes that day. Maybe I do get some candles. The sheets are clean. There are moments where all day long I have been planning and fantasizing and getting excited about the sex I'm about to have with my partner that night. And since we've already consciously delegated that time to sex, the kids are taken care of, right? The dishes are done. All of those accelerators are in place that we need to have in order to have the sexual experience. So you're not planning to make it some sterile doctor's appointment. You're planning to make yourself the most sexy vixen you can possibly be for you and your partner. Now, the last little bit is all about our own personal development, our own sexual self. Okay. And if this feels best to do as a journal prompt, then maybe pause here and save it for later, get your journals ready, or it's just something that you get to start thinking about. The question I want to pose to you is, If I could paint my perfect sexual experience, what would it be? Pause, breathe into that, feel the tightness or the butterflies or whatever's going on in your tummy. What is that perfect sexual experience? Following that up, what makes it so perfect? Is it where it is? Is it who it's with? Is it how you're showing up? Is it the music that's playing? Is that the scent of your sheets, the scent of your partner? What about it is so perfect? Next thing I want to follow up with is how far off is it from your current sexual experience? Are there any changes that you can make personally? Is it really that far off? Is it really that far out of reach? Or do we just need to be able to make a few tweaks? And finally, This may be the hardest one. Have I communicated those wants and needs to my partner? Like I said, this might be harder than we think. There's not many times in our lives or really ever that we are granted the permission to express what we want. We're really, really bad at doing it. Actually, we might dance around the idea. We might say like, oh, I feel like it'd be better if, if this happened, or I feel like when you show up, you're just, you know, stressed and you don't want to do this. Stop telling stories. Feelings are not facts. Okay. State what you want. That is you taking ownership in your sexuality and nobody can do that but you. And that can feel scary. can feel scary to share our desires, to share our needs, to share our wants. Because what if that person can't show up in that way? What if that person thinks I'm weird for saying it? Again, those are all stories. And until you start showing up for yourself in that way, it is not fair for you to ask for someone else to show up for you in that way. So I know that this just began to scrape the top 
of desire discrepancy. But if you take nothing away from this, except this, is that I want you to remember that it is totally normal that it's happening. And though it takes two people to create a pattern, it takes one person to change that pattern. Thank you, Esther Perel, for that beautiful, beautiful quote. Okay, you can be the one person that changes that pattern, but you have got to take responsibility for yourself and ownership of your own sexuality to be able to change that pattern. Hope this was helpful. If you loved it, let me know. Please leave a five-star rating and review for the show. And next time I do an Instagram, ask me anything, throw in your question, throw in what you're struggling with, throw in what's going on. And if it's something that is as juicy as this topic, I would love to do a full solo psyched episode on it. Thank you.